Welcome to the Powerful Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Gluckman. I'm a life and business coach who loves helping my clients find ease and confidence around making decisions. Every episode, you'll learn the thought work tools I teach my clients for clear and easy decision making. I'll also share real life examples from my life and from my clients where powerful decisions created more of what we want in our lives. Time to stop sitting in indecision or second guessing our decisions. Let's get to making powerful decisions. Right, we have fancy shoes and we have our earrings on. I think we're ready to rock. Welcome everyone to a powerful decisions podcast. I am your host, Meg Gluckman, and I have a special treat for everyone today because my friend Sarah is here and we are going to chat. And I realized I meant to ask you this before we started recording, but I'm just going to leave it in there. So Sarah, your last name is Goach. Yeah. Getch. Getch. See? So close. That's why I said Getch. Thank you. I think I first got to know you when I was working at the Whidbey Institute, which is a retreat center out here on Whidbey. And you, I don't remember our actual very first interaction and whether it was because you were coming out as a volunteer for one of the volunteer work parties or whether it was when you were co-leading a retreat. Yeah. I don't remember either. Um, I think I did know you a little bit before and I had the great good fortune, I think, of meeting, were your folks there for a tent raising at some point? They were. Yeah. 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 I got to meet your folks. Yeah. So cool. So so shout out to the other Sarah. Hi, mom. Sarah Gluckman. (laughs) Hi, Meg's mom. Here we go. (laughs) Hey, we share, your mom and I share initials. We talked about this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the Whidbey Institute is kind of the holding place for our first interactions for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that, I mean, that was the first capacity that I think I got to start to know you as a writer and as a poet. Um, I know you're also a photographer and a yoga teacher all the things, all the things. Yeah. Um, what else? Tell us more about who <laughs> you are. I just recently learned how to drive a skid steer. Yes. Yes. And a snowplow. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think those should, those are recent accolades, but, um, mm-hmm. they feel very, very present in my physical being right now. <laughs> So, um, which is kind of refreshing to balance out, you know, the work of writing, um, which is very mental, creative process. And then to have something physical to uh, push snow about. And Sarah and I both um, share the hobby or the the love, the love of chickens. Yes. (laughs) And um, there's a good chance that my microphone will pick up my rooster at some point as well. I don't believe you have a rooster no. though. You're roosterless. Yes. Roosterless. Yeah. Our yep. neighbor offered us one the other day. He has four. Yes. I, said, uh, I, I declined. 
You declined for now. Yes. Yeah. All good. One of those decisions, you know, it's, Meg. No. <laughs> let's oh, talk about decisions. Wow. Let's just hop right segue, in. Segue. Decision. Mean. I love it. Do yeah. you want a rooster? Uh, do I want baby chickens? No, right now I don't. So, mm -hmm. um, although I have heard that roosters are great at, um, watch at being watchful for predators. That's right. Yeah. So that can be helpful, but mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, they are also, you know, a few decibels louder than the ladies. Uh -huh. So that's also trade-off, but yeah. Yeah. Weighing, weighing all these decisions for sure. Um, well, and it Sarah, seems like, sorry, it seems like a fun place to start because we're talking about birds. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's, it's, it's such a great example because it's, it's seemingly simple. Past life, I could spend Oh, I don't know, half a day. Do I want a rooster? Well, I should take the rooster because I don't want to offend my neighbor. And mm. wow, like, I mean, the, the thought storm is just fantastic. It mm -hmm. really has the potential to run away with my time yeah, and energy and efforts. And so I think to come back to <laughs> just the, you know, the seeming simplicity of it, um, it was just refreshing to be like, no, thanks. And move on. <laughs> yeah. <my day. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a great introduction to Sarah coached with me for Ooh. a part of last year. Um, I did. And um, make yes. it's our anniversary. Is it really tomorrow? <laughs> Happy anniversary coach. Happy anniversary. Oh. Thank you. Wow. Yes. That's special. Surprise. I didn't even realize that. Um, it is special. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you just like already reflecting on how you look at thoughts and how you look at your decisions differently. And I'm just kind of curious, maybe, maybe take us back to the decision first to do coaching. Yeah. Do you remember like why? you decided to sign up for coaching? Well, a lot of that has to do with knowing you personally, um, just from the Woody Institute and interacting with you in that way and knowing how supportive you already had been. Um, and then I don't actually remember when you introduced that you were coaching, if it was, yeah, I don't remember the part, but I do remember thinking, Oh, that could be a really nice addition to some other work that I was already doing um, with my yoga teaching and meditation study and um, even, even some therapy where, you know, each of those has its own little button. And then to, to add in and invest in myself in one more way felt like a really good decision. And to do it with you turned out to be... <laughs> when you reflect back on your decisions mm -hmm. and you say, was that a good investment? Uh, it's really clear that it was. And I can, I mean, there's so many different things in my life that I can point to Meg that I felt have shifted mm. from our time together. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
was it an easy decision at the time to make? I had a little rattling about, oh, that's a lot of money that mm-hmm. I don't have. Um, so that was certainly sent. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents probably wouldn't have agreed because I didn't have the cash on hand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were like, you have the cash on hand before you make any investment. But, but the cash has come back, you know? Mm. Um, and so um, I'm just glad I did it. I'm sorry, I forgot the question. I think I asked whether it was an easy decision an easy or decision. whether, yeah. yeah, or if it was Yeah, hard, so there right? is a little bit of rattling, but it f- yeah. felt right. So mm-hmm. I think part of that is learning to trust my, what I'm going to call intuition a little yeah. bit more, which is really just that deeper connection to self that mm-hmm. is run, it can run really clear if you're, mm-hmm. if, if I'm connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those decisions, as you say, like, get easier to make mm-hmm. and accept and do, and then at a safe point to go back and say, how was that? Mm-hmm. Why did I make that decision? Oh, okay. I can see that clearly. And, um, how did that turn out? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think that there's many people who are like all set to pay for coaching. Like the moment that they decide or they're thinking about it, they're like, oh, well, of course I'll just spend this money and invest months of my life to do this. Um, In part, because it's like, we don't have coaching as part of our budget, right? Like we don't think about our monthly or annual expenses. And we're like, well, I need to, you know, this much I put aside for coaching until we've experienced it. Right. And then we know the value of it. So I think for everyone, the first time that they make the decision there, the money is a sticky point. Am I really going to spend this money? Am I really going to invest this in myself? And in my brain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And something in ta- potentially, I'm going to say potentially huge, yeah. intangible mm-hmm. investment mm-hmm. until you start doing the work mm-hmm. and then you start going, oh, <laughs> what, uh, what? You know, I, I don't want to say that I'm a happier creature, but I think I approach things in a different manner. And um, the stories that I tell are different um, mm. about myself and to myself yeah. have, shift, have shifted. Yeah. Um, and those things are tangible to others. Oh, you, you seem X or you're doing this and I've never seen you do this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm trying some new things. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified, but it's working out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are th- are there? Is there something that comes to mind for you? Yeah. Um, sending my writing out for mm-hmm. submission. Yeah. Comes to mind. Um. Whew, I mean, that's it. It's one. It's sharing it with potentially sharing it with strangers. 
I'm even, I'm moving in my seat here. I'm so <laughs> comfortable with it. I've got to move my body. Just feel it still feel. Ugh. So, you know, I, I work on something for however long I've worked on it. And um, there are open submissions to different journals around the country. And so I send it to strangers. And it's scary enough to send it to people that you know and who love you and who want you to um, succeed at what you love. Um, and so now, starting to send it off to places that don't know who I am um, and and to think about how that's represented on the page in one single poem is, can be terrifying. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's an example of but this is something that I enjoy and I want to mm. share it. And this is one way that I know how to share it. Um, I tend to take the classes before I'm ready for them. So I think like two years ago, I took a publishing and poetry class at Hugo mm -hmm. House in Seattle. Um, at least two. No, might have been four years. <laughs> yeah, we have the <laughs> pandemic time work there. Time is, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I you know, I, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I wasn't clear that I would to admit it mm -hmm. um, or go for it because it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I, so, it, come, it, it reminds me, I wrote this down because I wanted to, to, to mention one of the quotes you said to me, um, that if you're, and I, hopefully I get it right. If you're willing, willing to feel everything, there's nothing you can't do. Mm -hmm. And so when I say I feel terrified, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it. It just means mm. that I have to be <laughs> willing to feel it. What was it like before coaching though? Like what's the difference around submitting your poetry now? I wasn't, I was starting to try it. Mm -hmm. I think I would send out like one poem <laughs> and, um, or I'd send it like um, Marnie at the Woodbeans of mine. So I'd send it somewhere that was relatively safe and comfy but now I'm starting to every month I'm sending something out um and this month I tried even I'm trying something new where a uh, place in Idaho here has asked for a particular subject and so instead of just sending something that's already in my repertoire I've written something new um so just continuing to stretch mm -hmm. a little bit more a little bit more yeah yeah what are your thoughts now when you're submitting it? Mm -hmm. We worked on this. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember writing this one down and you saying, and so, <laughs> and so, and going through like every thing that, every thought that was coming up for me. And so now when I send it out, I think, off it goes. Let's see what happens. And then I wait. <laughs> I got a response back. I'd sent out, um, you know, everyone's really in different, as you said, kind of pandemic time. And I'd sent a, um, a collection of poems off to a place in the Southeast. And they, I loved it because it was, you could actually mail it to them. They don't accept email. It's submissions. You had to mail it. You had to put in a return envelope with a stamp. 
And so I was like, I'm going to apply there just because they take post mail. Um, and I didn't hear back and I didn't hear back. Uh, a note came and it was a standard rejection, but it had a little note on the top of it that said, oh, I, I particularly like your voice in this poem. Mm. You know, thank you so much. Keep trying. <laughs> and I think I could be devastated that they didn't. It, it took so long and I, they didn't take my poems. But, but mostly I just felt gratitude that they had replied and they'd obviously read them. And that's the whole point mm -hmm. is to have people read them and yeah. engage, engage with it. So, yeah. So what I love about this so much is that like rejection and like not succeeding at what you think the goal is, right. Mm -hmm. Is still a whole part of this. Mm -hmm. you're actually opening yourself up to like even more rejection yep. because you're sending out so much more, right? <laughs> yeah. right? Like volume wise, yes. you're just more yeah. apt to get even more rejected. Right. But your thoughts around it have changed so much. Mm -hmm. These new thoughts are allowing you to like step into this, this bigger version of yourself. Yeah. Still got some wiggles about it. Sure. Don't we all as humans, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. It's so human, yeah. like, but it's, it's really, um, there's, I have so much gratitude for the people who've like, I feel really bolstered by my own thinking. Yes. But also just from watching and learning from others and being encouraged and all of that. So, um, I mean, I, I think of that I think one of the programs I attended at would be the, one of the first things they said was you don't do this work alone. Like, mm. <laughs> why, why do we think <laughs> I'm a solitary creature? No. Nope. Yeah. yeah. I like my, I like my solitude. I live in the mountains. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Um, I think that probably comes back to the, the decision to work with you mm -hmm. um, and how you do your work and the quality of your questions and curiosity and so I'm feeling a little nostalgic I mean it's a, it's a year anniversary I know that's so thank cool. you I love it um I'm really curious because I feel like in part we're talking about how you view your work right now what you're putting out into the world how do you feel like your thoughts about yourself changed mm -hmm. or how you felt about yourself or beliefs about yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, not everything you think is true. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I should say, I should rephrase that. Excuse me. Sorry, people who are listening. I don't know you. Maybe everything you think is true. <laughs> it's <laughs> unlikely, dear. It's unlikely. Everything that I think is not true. And I'm not very nice to myself. Mm. Um, I, in the past, I have not been very nice to myself. Why is that? For so many reasons. But you know what? Um, now, um, I try a little more ease and gentleness um and laughing <laughs> so good 
-hmm. so good Meg yeah um yeah and I think there's an underlying fear for me of like well if I'm not if I'm not being hard on myself I'm not gonna get anything done oh yeah um that's so common it's so fascinating Mm -hmm. um and some days I don't get as much done as I want well that's okay Mm -hmm. the to-do list is gonna continue (laughs) Mm -hmm. that finding a balance in that one I think is is my current challenge of like you know, we're, we're, I mean, I'm self-employed, so there, there isn't a, and then maybe, so maybe that changes for folks who work within a community and who have deadlines that are set by other people. Um, but I struggle, I struggle with that, like mm-hmm. how, where to give myself leeway and where to, I, I can't tell the difference. Am I just being nice to myself? Do I, or do I need to push do I need to push a little harder and actually get mm-hmm. the website done that I've been talking to Meg about for a year mm-hmm. <laughs> as an example? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of How, backburning, backburnering mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. What is feeling helpful right now to you in deciding that? Like, do I need to give myself a break or do I need to push? Mm-hmm. What helps right now? I feel like there should be a snowplow metaphor in here. There totally should be. Because <laughs> we just had 16 inches of snow in, a, in 24 hours, period. Yeah, wow. And so your whole stretch, my whole stretch of time shifts when I'm plowing. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy, you know, you're, I'm operating a truck. I'm operating a plow. I need to not get stuck. I'm going to get stuck. Um, and so that... And you're pushing, you're pushing Mm. the snow Mm -hmm. and you have to have a place to dump it. I don't know if this metaphor is going to work. You have to have a place to push the snow. And Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the plowing, way back in November, you got to push the snow as far as you can because it's going to keep snowing and it's going to pile up. And so maybe that's the metaphor. You got to stretch it. Mm-hmm. stretch it as far as you can and then build up not the metaphor is not working <laughs> it's not working. i was no i was going with you i you was were, going thank with you. you thank you for going along with me it didn't work but well that's but, okay yeah um, i mean but there's something about pushing through there's mm-hmm. something about that and um being able to see the progress as well like with snow plowing mm. you can you push the snow and if it's still snowing, you don't see the progress. Mm-hmm. And when it stops, that's when you see, oh, this is what I've done. And I can now drive safely on my road to get out to the library to pick up my books. And these are benefits. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the metaphor is, yeah, to just push, push through it, mm-hmm. but don't be an idiot about it. You can't plow for 24 hours straight. You gotta take breaks. Is that metaphor work? I, I think there's some, some goodness in that one. Little tidbits. I do. Yeah. I think <sighs> noticing what you have accomplished, I think that's super yeah. important, right? Because our brain has a tendency to, to collect negative evidence, right? Our brain has yeah. a tendency to look at what we haven't yet accomplished 
-hmm. and to actually intentionally look and say, like, look how much I've plowed, like, look, you know, look how big my snow pile is, even though there's more to do. Like, and it's gonna I have melt. still, I have still <laughs> accomplished all of this, right? Like it's important to say that. And I think, um, especially working with people who own their own businesses or who are self-employed and there's nobody else necessarily who's like giving them the pat mm-hmm. on the back and saying, look at all that you've done, but that you actually have to do that for yourself mm-hmm. to look back and say, you know, what, what did I accomplish this week? What did I accomplish this month? What, what is different about my business from a year ago? Yeah. Right. Yep. Be- because it can see, it can feel like baby steps, just like as you're plowing along, right? Like it can feel like really little baby steps and we can get discouraged if we feel stuck. Yeah. you know, and stuck if we feel like we're not making any progress, but so it's intentionally looking back and, and congratulating ourselves or celebrating mm-hmm. what we have accomplished. Good metaphor. See, we got it worked out. I remember a session with you where we, we kind of did this a little bit too, where we looked back at the story of your recovery from, from an injury. And I'll let you tell the story if you want to tell any part of the story, but, and reframing that story to actually emphasize what you had accomplished Mm -hmm. to be able to celebrate what you could celebrate from it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was a really powerful moment in our in our process, in our, in our weeks together. Um, and to be honest, I haven't gone back. You recorded that for me and I Mm. have not gone back and watched it. I think I'm a little terrified, (laughs) but, um, I feel, I might feel a lot of things around it, but, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that's so potent to me was your encouragement, just a gentle little nudge of like, I hear you telling me this story now. Can you tell it in a different way. And I resisted, even though this is some of the work that I do as a writer is Mm -hmm. to tell a story and make a narrative. I was like, what, this is the only narrative I know. (laughs) There's only one. (laughs) Meg, no, we're not writing speculative fiction here. Like, (laughs) but that's what, that's what I do. Actually, that's what we do. I think is, is just, um, tell herself a story about something. So yeah, I had had, um, Uh, I had a concussion, uh, a brain injury, and um, it really changed how I was able to do the work that I was doing at the time. And um, I felt like I was, the story that I was telling was that I was failing. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't, I couldn't keep up. I, I didn't, I couldn't multitask. You know, it was all the things I couldn't do anymore. Um, And I think that was one of the themes and then that shift of like, but I allowed myself time to recover. I asked the doctors for the information that I needed. I asked for their support. I asked for my boss's support. So like just reshifting that and to know too, like, I'm not the same person. 
that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. a, it was definitely a, a process of letting go of what I wasn't and telling the story of, but this is what I am mm-hmm. or what I could do. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the impact of changing the story that you were telling? Because the, the reality is both stories are true and there's even more versions of the story that are true, right? So yeah. we're not saying, oh, this story of how things, you know, these X, Y, Z things in my life are harder now. Like yeah. that story is true too. Yeah. But what do you think the, the, the change for you was when you started telling this other story? Part of it was, I, I think I have a very specific example um, around using computers mm-hmm. um, because that was one of the things that was very difficult when I was coming, when I, as I was healing, as my brain was re-coagulating or whatever it does mm-hmm. in there. Um, and so I kind of, I think I was telling myself the story, well, then I can't, I can't be on computers. I can't do the email like everyone else does. Da, 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 da. And I think after we chatted about that, and I, I don't know that I've consciously noted it, but I, I have had less aversion to doing computer work or carving out space to do time to do emails, mm-hmm. to do Zoom meetings. I'm still very conscious of how much I'm on screen, mm-hmm. um, but not in a way that I don't tell myself that, oh, I can't do it. Or it's a victim mm-hmm. story of like, well, I have this injury. So um, so it, it's, just shift, it's just shifted where I know there are things I have to do to take care of myself. And I do those things. And I, I'm also doing these other things that I want to do, engaging in my writing groups online and um, emailing friends I haven't heard from and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. What, well, what I noticed there and just how you share that is interacting with computers and email now from this like empowered space mm-hmm. versus this, this victim mind, like I can't, I can't versus actually I'm going to figure out how much I know we, we used to talk a lot about like how much email can I do? How much screen time can I do that feels good? That balances my goals and what I want to be doing and taking care of myself. Yeah. So it's like really listening to what your body needs. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother language. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And not making it a problem that like my body can, you know, I can do an hour of email or whatever, and that's all I can do for screen time. It just is what it is. Now, what do I want to it's like a fact of my life now, instead of it being like a problem, it's just like this, these are the, the boundary conditions of my life. Now, what do I want to create within them? Pretty powerful stuff. Have you found yourself using that tool of like reframing or telling a story a different way mm-hmm. anywhere else? Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of a private story, but it was just last night. So I'm going to tell it. Um, I went to bed and my partner came to bed at the same time, which he usually doesn't 
He's more of a night owl. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm not going to, you know, in my head, this is in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. You snore. I got to get up early. And boy, I was on it. I was in this story Mm -hmm. of, and then I stopped and I was like, wait, I get stuck to Meg tomorrow. (laughs) What would Meg have to say about this? Like these thoughts are not helping me go to sleep. (laughs) What's my goal here? I want to have a good night's sleep. Okay. All right. Well, here we are in bed. This is nice. Okay. We'll fall asleep. You know, I just, I just, I literally just stopped mm-hmm. the stories mm-hmm. and the reactivity that is so quick sometimes. It's so interesting how fast. Mm-hmm. I know there's facts and figures about how quickly and how many thoughts. Um, brains are powerful stuff. Um, and so I, <laughs> I'm I sorry, it's a, a little bit of a private story, but I was like, oh, this is actually exactly the thing. Because if I had kept at it, I would not have slept. Yeah, I don't think I would have. Who knows what would have happened? Right, right. I mean, we can go down this whole, you know, loop of thinking of like, well, I wouldn't have slept. Then I would have blamed my partner for keeping yeah. me up. Then that would have hurt our relationship. Yeah. Right. And then I would have had to, you know, mend, mend the relationship in some way, you know, da, 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 da. so like, I think that's just such a beautiful example because it's like, this is the level that it matters at when yeah. we can interrupt the thought pattern that has us generating feelings of frustrated or resentful or which are indicators, they're indicators, right? The feelings are indicators. Yeah. So then to even notice the feeling and then track it back. And it's the same in our bodies. It's the same in our bodies. A headache is an indicator. You know, this pain Mm -hmm. is an indicator. What's Mm -hmm. it telling you? Mm -hmm. you, So it's the same thing. You track it back. It's not easy though. <laughs> I definitely like, I kind of wanted to keep complaining, mm. but I really wanted to just go to sleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but how fabulous to feel like that's an option, yeah. right? Like yeah. I, I can totally keep complaining and I know what it's going to create for me, or I can shift my thoughts and I can decide these aren't serving me. I think I just saw something. Meg, did you kind of roll your eyes? <laughs> Is your daughter, I, I know you've mentioned this. I think you've mentioned this publicly that your yes. daughter also rolls her eyes. Yes. Yeah. She's that a was... professional eye roller. <laughs> that was yeah. great. Yeah. No, my, yeah. My daughter rolling her eyes is, I have many good stories about me reframing. Yeah. My original thought that comes up when I, when she rolls her eyes at me, yep. you know, there's an, like you're saying, like these thoughts that came up for you, right. They're just the ones that your brain just churned out. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, boom, it just spit them out. Not a problem. When, when my daughter rolls her eyes at me, I my brain just spits out certain thoughts, you know, not a problem, but I get to choose. Are they serving me? Like, do I want to reinforce these thoughts or not once I see them? And yep. I think like your example is exactly that as well. Like we get to choose once we can see them, do we want yeah. to reinforce them? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just practice over time. 
practice over time. Yeah. And that, I think that that was the other, one of the other things at learning for me is that gentleness of like, it's okay. You're not going to see all of them all at once. And this is why we have coaches. (laughs) Yes. I'm also, I'm yes, people I'm putting in a plug for Meg. This is her her podcast. Um, She did not ask me to do that by the way. Um, but that that's that's a reason, right? You know, our our friends and our family, they're there for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not there to say, well, and I'm not sure we'd hear it the same way. Either, that's so right? true. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I remember you you telling that story of or a story of, you know, sometimes you get in conversations with people and you're like, you ask is this a friend conversation or a coach conversation? Because mm-hmm. I would approach it differently. Yeah. yeah. Our, our friends are there to commiserate with us <laughs> and always take our sides and compliment right? your shoes. Yeah. Compliment your shoes. <laughs> and our coach is there to help us understand why we're feeling the way we're feeling, like what yeah. thoughts are making us feel this way and to help us see where we have power to change, if we want to change how we're feeling, that we can change our thoughts. Two very different roles to be a friend versus to be a coach, for sure. Can I ask you a okay. question? Sure. What, what was your decision to become a coach? I go back to, I want to say it was like 2017 or so when I first started listening to my coach. Um, Brooke Castillo's podcast as well podcast just really got inspired by how she was talking about how we could take charge of our feelings and take charge of our lives and it was actually possible to love feel love for any person Mm. and I was going through a divorce And it sounded like a radical, radical idea that I could love any person, but she sounded so confident that that was possible. (laughs) And this, and she was introducing this idea that you could feel something in your body that did not, did not mean that you had to take a certain action, right? So like I could feel love whenever I wanted to feel love, independent of what actions I might take, right? So like, just because I felt love did not mean I needed to take us or an action. And so I was following her. And then I started um, taking some of her classes that she was offering. And then in the back of my mind, there was just this little nubbin of possibility of becoming a life coach. And then um, in the summer of 2020, when our schools decided that we were not going to go to in-person school for the fall of 2020, I decided that this was my chance to be home with the kids and help them with their school, whatever that was going to end up looking like. And that I would also kind of take myself back to school and I would sign up for coach certification and do this. And it was just going to be a unique year right? Or I think at that point we had no idea what kind of timeline was in front of us, but But we never um, do. That's so true. We never do. So I started in the fall of 2020, my coach certification and just 
fell in love with it, knew within just a couple of weeks, I was like, ready to go. I was like, okay, let's start coaching. <laughs> it was so good. It was such an amazing training that I feel like just, I mean, completely changed my life yeah. forever and ever. So That's yeah, like life coaching and doing this thought work has had huge impacts on my life with the relationships in my life that are challenging and my ability to navigate them with parenting with my body image, with my mindset around money. I know we talked about money yeah. some too, just with, with all the decisions I make and how I show up and how I feel like I should show up or how mm. the world wants me to show up mm. and, and being able to make my own, own decisions yeah. and stand confidently in them. This thought work has just done all of that for me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever knew the fulcrum of it, the start yeah. of it. So yeah. Yeah. Good old 2020. Oh That's my. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Life changing. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think we should wrap up here. If folks are curious about you and want to read some of this poetry that now they've heard about, is there any way for them to find some Sarah poetry? You can throw me a letter and I will write you back. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I am working. I'm working on my website. We've gone back and forth okay. or I've gone back and forth on where to put it. Yeah. And what platform and um, I'm getting closer and closer to a decision. Cool. Huh? <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Well, if, if we have it before I put the show knows, notes up, then we'll yeah. put it in the show notes. And if not, we'll just have to have Sarah back on another time to share some of our poetry with us. Wow. That'd be amazing. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. Yeah. So appreciate you. What a joy. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found some good nuggets in today's episode. If you'd like more coaching tools, follow me on Instagram at Meg Gluckman or on Facebook at Meg Gluckman Coaching. You can also DM me from either place to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one private coaching practice. I'd also really appreciate if you would rate and review this podcast so more folks can hear about it. I'll see you on the next episode of Powerful Decisions.